Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're an expert in something and you don't understand business, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, that you're not good at what you do. So people can get those two things really confused. Welcome to the Warrior You podcast, proudly presented by our parent company, Hindsight Leadership and Resilience. I'm your host, Bram Connolly, and this then is my show. A massive shout out to the podcast sponsors, Ironside Coffee and Gym Equipment Specialists, Aussie Strength, and of course, not forgetting Special Operations Research and Development, Sword Australia, for all your tactical equipment and clothing needs. Righto, let's get on with the show. Sam Riley. How are you going? Did you hear any of that? I did. It sounded really cool. Oh, I didn't know you I could hear that. I was very impressed. Oh, you can yeah, actually you hear go. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> we should just have a whole podcast of me playing music and intros. Um, yeah, look at you, smart stuff. Well, haven't, haven't, we, <laughs> haven't we come a long way? Oh, um, my goodness. I, I'm guessing you're going to share <laughs> some of that journey. So <laughs> I think I've, so I, I've interviewed... War heroes. I've interviewed um, billionaire. Well, not a billionaire. Multi, multi millionaires. Hundred millionaires. I don't know what that is. Um, entrepreneurs and academics. But I've got to say, of all of those people, I haven't been any prouder than I am of you, Sam. Oh, holy crap! Don't make me cry. <laughs> so, so for those people listening, Sam and I went to school together, and um, <laughs> and there was three girls in my class. And I'm going to say they were the three smartest girls in the class. And Sam, you were the third smartest. Yeah, I was the third smartest. But, <laughs> You're dead right. But having, yeah, and we know who the other two are. We won't mention. Yeah, them. absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyway, oh dear, good memories. But um, but I would also say that in all the years that we went to school, and I was, you were in my class every year in high school. Yeah. Um, you're also the hardest worker in every class. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind. I think. I think you were doing ballet at the time as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, I was doing like every around day. About 30 hours a week of yeah, ballet. Yeah. yeah, it was insane. And and like I said, you you were smart, but there was a couple of girls who were really really cluey in our class. And in fact in one at one in one class there was a Chinese girl who got roped into our class and she I think the other girls were really jealous because she was like uber smart and exchange student. Do you remember that? <laughs> we were all a bit competitive, hey, yeah. considering where our, our school was and, you know, it wasn't, mm. you know, an up there kind of school. Banksia, we, we did Banksia, okay. Banksia Park, now Banksia Park International School, who I've given a, who I've hit, had a few digs at over the podcast because I offered to go and teach them the year 12's leadership for free and they never got back to me. Anyway. <gasps> no. Can you believe that? Um, but anyway, of, of all the people I've had on, this is – Probably, you know, you're the one I'm the, the proudest of. I think you've done an amazing since since school. But, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all just just because of that work ethic. And I quite often say to people, you don't – and, I mean, you know, you were no slouch anyway, but you did have the best work ethic I think I'd ever seen. And 
Wow. Even now, I, I watch you from afar and you just, you're just tireless. Um, yeah, so what happened? You left school, then what? Yeah, I didn't even finish school, hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, did, I left halfway through year 11 and, um, and did something that's probably a little different. I went and got married and had a kid before ev- all of our friends, before all of everyone else had finished school. And, um, yeah, so that's a, a bit of a different start to my adult life. And went and worked corporate for a little while, uh, worked in real estate, worked for our local council, Petri mm. Gully, and then decided that that totally wasn't for me pretty quickly. So at 20 years old, went out and opened my first business, which was a dance studio. And uh, within six months of that, had opened up a retail store that turned into two, that turned into three, and yeah. Yeah, and so, so you, you know, predicated on the fact that you left, you know, halfway through year 11, got married, you know, had had, had children, um, like, and then that work ethic as well. And so you just hustled. Like you just knew how to hustle and how to, you know, just you are the epitome of, what I quite often say is someone who just will not be a victim. No, I, I don't have time for that. Mm. And, you know, that's actually why I left, um, I left that, that first corporate full-time job because I was, I was only 19. I was working with people that were the age of our parents, like people go into government, right, and they stay there. And I remember sitting at the desk one day and looking around going, oh, my God, no one is smiling. Everyone is just there doing the same thing. They've been in the same department their whole lives. No one's smiling. Everyone's just like, you know, not having happy conversations. And I'm like, seriously, it's, it's like I flashed forward 30, 40 years and went, this is not how I want to be living out my life. So, yeah. And what, so you just look around, you see these bitter, twisted people who were, mm-hmm. were probably you 20 years ago. And you know, as in, you know what I mean. And, and in, tw- and in yeah, twenty, yeah. and then fast forward twenty years, that's what you are going to become. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. I think in some ways, I think when I see people like that now, when I'm walking down the street, and you see people who just got sour looks on their faces that are in their sixties and seventies, and you just wonder if they've just had a life of misery because they've self created it. You know? Absolutely, like really. I mean, let's not take it away. People have tough times you know people go through really hard hard times and challenging times and I think most of us have got a story of those times you know some obviously harder than others but for the majority you've got to you know life is a choice all your decisions are a choice you get to choose how you live where you live who you live with you know you get to choose your values Um, and I, I think that too many people don't take responsibility for their life and their choices. And so the, the first business that you set up, the dance studio, was that, was that sort of you cutting your teeth on understanding how, um, how to make money, how businesses are formed and, and their transactional um, part of business? Yeah, totally. So I was super lucky. At the time, like my very first job that I had while I was still at school while I was doing dancing and going to school and working was actually at McDonald's Mm. and I befriended our store owner 
or, or he actually, bef- like we befriended each other because I used to go after school and sit on the desk when he was there and ask him all sorts of questions like, what does that mean? What are those numbers? Why are you doing that? And he, instead of thinking, oh, this little brat's just driving me nuts, he really took me under his wing and thought it was so cool that there was this teenage girl that was interested in what was going on. So at the time uh, that I opened my dance studio, my husband was actually still working there. He was in management at McDonald's. And so I actually went to the owner of the store and went, hey, look, I'm thinking about opening a, a business. Can you help me? Mm. And he was he was like super proud. He's like, I'd love to help you. So whilst it was really tough, it was really cool to have that mentor to go back and say, hey, I'm having these challenges. How do we negotiate those? Mm. Um, and I guess it was through working with him that made me understand the questions to ask because that's that's what it's about. It's not when you're in business, and you would know this too, Bram. It's not about knowing the answers. It's about knowing where to go to get the answers. It's mm. about being resourceful. So, so when something came up, it was about you know picking up the phone, and saying, "Hey, Chris, this is happening. How do I do it?" And learning that process is how I open up my second business six months later because I realized there was a massive gap in the market just from listening to the conversations that were happening in my dance studio and went, oh, my goodness, I should, t- I should take the leap and open this business before someone else wow. does. Yeah, and, cool. that was the, and that was the retail store. What was the store? What did, no, I don't want to ask that. Dancewear. Dance <laughs> <laughs> uh, there might be a theme here. <laughs> yeah. No, so, um, so I worked at McDonald's as well in high school um, in year 11 and half halfway through year 12 and um which by the way i didn't complete either uh so i joined <laughs> I oh i did know that actually now yeah. you're mine yeah, yeah no i joined joined the army um and then went on to do a degree in the army um anyway so yeah so i worked at mcdonald's as well and um I, I found that that was probably some of the best leadership that i saw from the the managers there they, they do get they do have specific leadership courses for managers at mcdonald's and, Absolutely. Yeah, and in years later, when I was the officer in charge of selection for special forces, if the special forces direct recruiting guys, if their paperwork came across my desk and they had been in McDonald's, I, I would always, um, probably more often than not anyway, put those guys in the basket of, yeah, we'll take a chance on these guys because they've had a certain degree of um, being led and leading, even even if they were working there at the, on the tills, you know that they've then gone and they've had to clean the tables, they've had to they've had to understand customer service, they've had to clean out the back, they've done startups, they've done shutdowns, um, yeah. and there is a work, there is a drive and a work ethic in McDonald's. I should do a whole bloody podcast on it with with a McDonald's manager later, but yeah, totally. I, that, it doesn't surprise me that that's that's where you sort of you know first cut your teeth and understood that that's where drive in business comes from that that customer relationship and filling the gaps as well as you say that retail store did that do okay yeah that was my first million dollar business wow. so yeah did that by the time i was still in my oh. and that's in radelaide yeah, I know. How cool is that? Seriously, I remember one day getting a letter from our biggest supplier in Australia uh, and we were invited on an all expenses paid to the Australian Dance Awards in Sydney. You know, it was at the Opera House. I got to meet the um, the artistic director of the Australian Ballet Company and lots of other play- other things, which to everyone else probably is nothing but these people were my idols when I was growing up. Like I was a super, well, as you know, super nerdy teenager. I actually had pe- pictures of these people on my yeah. bedroom wall. So when I met them, it was like, 
it was huge. And, you know, we'd been flown there and it was like, you know, all the dinners and the cocktail parties. And that was because we were one of the top 10 retail stores in the country. And mm. we were in Adelaide. And like, you were in I, your was, early 20s. Uh, so at that stage, I probably would have been in my late 20s. Yeah. But something that I was and still am super proud of achieving. Yeah, it's amazing. And you yeah. could, and the thing is that the lessons that you learnt um, during that process are the similar lessons that you now teach people in your in your online coaching business. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me a little bit about that. So I work with um, experts now, people that have um, got an expertise in either a business or a, a corporate career or some sort of career over 20, 30 years, and they're generally going into what I call their second career, you know, just as you are. These people have got massive expertise but don't know how to use it. Mm. They don't know how to use it in a different way. So I help them to pull apart or, you know, really extract what it is they know tease it out, turn it into something, like really develop their thought leadership and create their business around that. Mm. So what I love about that is that these people, because they're coming into their second career, they think, oh, I'm starting again, Mm. but they're so not. It's just that they're taking the next step. Mm. So helping them to understand, no, you're not starting again. You're you're just launching from a really high place is is very cool. And do you find that some of what you need to do is – help them with that transition from from being owned by a business to owning a business yeah and do you know what's actually the hardest part if you've ever been in a job or if you've been in in an environment where there is a big team and you have a leader suddenly being out and being an entrepreneur on your own oftentimes we're working from home we're working on our own Um, I mean I've got a team now but I started off without having a team and just be, having to, you know, having no one to talk to and just being on my own with my own thoughts and not knowing how to take the next step, that is really challenging for some people. I imagine having, you know, being in a really high position, having a team of 50 underneath you, having a team above you that you could go to for anything and all of a sudden having that taken away from you. What that actually does is send people into a spiral where they feel like they're not good enough. And, not, and it's actually not connected, like that feeling of I don't know what to do and I've got this really cool expertise. But what happens is they start to think that they're not good enough. So being able to help them to move through that is super rewarding. Yeah, and being an expert in one thing doesn't necessarily mean that you'll then be able to um, translate that and be an expert to run the business, the mechanics of the business. Yeah, well, that's exactly right because we've got an expertise in whatever it is mm. and then – the, you know, expertise in business is a completely different skill set. So, and they, and they shouldn't be mixed. So, you know, it works both ways. If you think you're an expert and think you can just run a business without knowing anything, like, no, you need help. But the same, same the other way. If you're an expert in something and you don't understand business, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, that you're not good at what you do. So people can get those two things really confused. It seems almost to me that in the early 2000s in the, in the late 90s, you're one of the first people who sort of understood the emerging gig economy and getting people to do to help you for monetary value just on the side. I was super early in the piece, you're right. Mm. When I started doing what I was doing, it was very, very new. Not many people understood it. Um, and even still with people my age, 
uh, and we're not that old, right? <laughs> but there's still people our age that have got no idea about social media, about online, about, you know, freelancers and how to build a, an offshore team. Like this is all super new to them. But yeah, when I started doing this sort of back in 2010, I was pretty, pretty new on the, on the, on the scope there of what I was doing. Yeah. And so when you, like, is it your time in the States that probably reinforced, because they are 10 years ahead of us in a lot of ways. And I'm talking yeah. to a few entrepreneurs there over the last couple of years and, and just the speed of which they're able to build businesses and scale because of, because of the, the gig economy and because they can reach out to experts and get them to do some work for a week or two and then, they, then they're on to the next thing. Was it your yeah. time in America that made you realise that you could, you could learn that and then bring that back to Australia in some way? No, not at all. It was actually all done here. Uh, And I didn't start going over to the state. I mean, I I took my dance students over to the state. So I'd been there Mm. a few times and and dealt with different businesses over there. But in the coaching world, not at all. Um, I don't know. I'm always always researching, reading. Like the amount I read every day is off the charts. Mm. So I think I just knew that this, this emerging trend was coming out and I went and started to learn about it you know, before anyone I knew did. And because I do have a background in business anyway, to me, it just made perfect sense. I knew there was people out there that weren't working in traditional offices. So I'm like, cool, that's what I want. So, you know, let's just get out there and do that. I can't help but think that you'd be massive if you're in the States. Like you would just, you know, the cl- the amount of clients that, I mean, you have overseas clients anyway, right? Yeah, I've got clients in the States. Mm. Um yeah, and I I can see in the future me being there to be truly and brutally honest. They yeah. like our accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the same. I mean, the podcast would be a completely different beast if I was based out of California. Um, so how would you describe your average client, like the average person that's coming to you that's going to the, the business academy or doing one-on-one business um, coaching? How would you describe that average person? The people that come and work with me, like I said, they're people that have got an expertise. It's usually in a, um, a services industry. So a lot of people in financial, all sorts of financial services, um, coaches, consultants. So, you know, even people coming out of corporate, coming out of a job, I help them to package up their skills and turn it into, you know, into a, a coaching consulting kind of practice. Um, the people that I do work with that maybe have come from product-based businesses, they're still setting up something on the side that's some sort of coaching, speaking sort of um, uh, business. But they're people that get to a point in their life and they just think, is this all there is? You know, they get to a point in their life where they think, okay. And it's funny, sometimes they feel like they're almost getting to the end, but when you really like break it down, you're like, still got like 30 years of working left, you know? So, and, and, you know, a lot of people start to think of slowing down, but, you know, once we work together and they get their passion, they realize that they can really make such a big impact in the world because, you know, part of my program is helping them understand contribution and impact on a global scale over and above what they're doing. You know, that's super exciting. And, um, you know, they're, they're really, they're people that know that they're here to make a positive change. Yeah. Yeah, you, we reconnected um, through social oh, maybe five years ago now. When I first yeah, started, I it was. yeah, when I first started to set up Warrior U, and um, I was still living in the UAE at the time. And you said something to me about um, define your 
personal brand value. And I hadn't really thought of it like that because what I was trying to do was market a company. But actually, That's right. actually it was me that I was, that I was selling. And yeah. Yeah. And you said something to me about, you know, these guys and girls, you, oh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember exactly. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it was something along the lines of you've done what they want to do. And because of that, they see it as achievable. And so you need to be able to sell that. Yeah. And, and I get that too, because when I was in, when I was in high school, as you, as you would well remember, like I knew I was going to join the army. I was going to be an officer in the army at the time. And I kept thinking about it. I had my diary full of army photos and stuff like that. But there was no one, there was no mentors yeah. of, of, of that I would look at and go, okay, I want to be like that. So, so I had to find my mentors somewhere else. Um, how, how difficult is it for you to, to get people to understand that, it's, that they are the brand when they become an entrepreneur? Look, some, I think it's more the minority than understand it mm. than the majority. And I'm going to say in, again, in our age bracket, it's something that the, that the millennials, Gen Z, they totally get it. They almost come out of school knowing it, that they're, you know, I think they're, they're in high school and they already know what their personal brand is and they're, they're building out. And, you know, you watch them on TikTok, they totally get it. Mm. Our age group, so you know, I'm talking, you know, 35 plus. Sometimes it's a bit of a a bit of a hard slog to try and get people to understand that, and especially if they don't understand social media and have that that idea. Oh, I don't want to share what I ate for lunch on social, or I don't want to share, you know, this or that. And it's helping people to understand that that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, you know, who are you as a person? What do you stand for? What are your values? What do you love doing? You know, what are your passions? What is your expertise? And sharing those things because that's how we connect to people. That's how people are attracted to us. Mm. Um, you know, they don't want to just connect with us as a, um, I was going to say, you know, as a, a, a single dimensional kind of person just talking about our thing all the time. And it wasn't until I even really embraced all of the things that I love, you know, dance. I talk about dance all the time. I never talked about it when I first started coaching. Yeah. It was like this thing that I kept in the closet. And, you know, I, I started sharing that, that I enjoyed fine wine that turned into something far bigger than I could have ever imagined mm. and ended up running social media accounts for, for fine wine liquor stores. And, you know, if I go to a conference, people are always coming up going, Sam, can I buy you a wine? It's not that I love wine that much. Like I do love wine, but it's part of my brand now. Mm. And, and it gets to the point where people will, will you know, uh, take a picture of a bottle of wine and send me a message. Hey, I was thinking about you. We've just opened this bottle of wine. So it's about, you know, sharing what we're really passionate about, yeah. connecting with people in different ways. Yeah. And, and, for, and for me, it was like I, after you said that, and I, every year I do it now, I go through the social analytics on the Google and you know, analytics and, and like and such, and I see that there's two distinctly different groups for me. There's there's the the groups of 35 plus, and then there's the small group of about 16 to 21, and yeah, I and I understand cool. that those two groups. One of those groups is looking to me for hey, you know, you're a 46 year old fit ex special forces guy who's pumping positivity into the world. I get that. I fully get it. And and so if I can help those middle aged guys to continue you know fighting the fight than i do and then there's this other group that are like hey i know that what you've done is achievable help me get there 
Yeah. Know? Yeah. And so once you understand those segments of your brand proposition and where how people respond to it, I think you're able to then sell yourself better. Yeah, and I think that you've made a really, really awesome point because it is understanding your whole audience. I've got two very distinct audiences myself in that there's because I I also talk a lot about, you know, I've had a wellness background as well. So I talk a lot about, um, you know, law of attraction and energy and, and the way that our emotions. So I've got this whole world of females that follow me that want to hear that. But I also have actually most of my most of my audience is actually male, which is very unusual for a female. Yeah. I have, I've got over 50% of my audience male. I think it's about 75% of my audience is male. So I started talking about the fact that I like fast cars. I never used to tell anyone that. But now I talk about that. The guys are like, oh, you're even cooler than I thought you were. And, you know, we can open up that conversation. So it's it's – it's not for any other reason that people want to have that point of contact and open that conversation with you. And how do you cut through all the people who, who continue to buy online programs and they're just left? Um, well, you know, that, that, like you've said on your, on your on podcast mm. a few times and, you know, some of these people could bloody teach these online programs. have done so many of them. Um, yeah. Is it because they're doing generic crap to try and start their own side hustle and they're not doing uh-huh. anything targeted and they're not finding the answers themselves yeah and not only that i mean ima- i mean imagine just for a second that you had learned how to be an, an army officer sitting in a, in a room like that's not how we learn we learn by getting out there taking action and doing the thing so if i have a client that says i've got this problem I've got another 20 ways in my head filed away of how to fix that Mm. because in business there's no black and white. Every single person has a problem in a different way because we're all unique human beings. We all think differently, act differently. So because I've done it for so many years, I can see that. Where all the people that are reading it out of a book, it's very one-dimensional. They think that that is the answer. They don't understand because they haven't done it. Mm. Uh, And that's something, I, man, you've hit a button there. I am super passionate about that. If you Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You want to really have mastery, you have to get in the trenches, you have to get out there and do it. Mm, probably the wrong guy to say get in the trenches too. Yeah, sorry, um, I apologize. As it came <laughs> out, I realized. <laughs> so so w- w- when we're talking about the change of the changing of work um, mm-hmm. and and I know that you see yourself as well as a, a thought leader in in technology into the future and the way of work. So can you see I mean we can't all have businesses where we're mentoring each other and leading each yeah. other. Some people still have to work, but how do you see the changes to the world with the the changes to technology and the changes of work? Yeah. So in actual fact, a lot of us will be in that position. So by 2050, and I mean, that is a little bit, you know, certainly a bit in the, in the uh, future, but by 2050, 80% of the world's population will not be employed mm. because artificial intelligence is going to be taking over all of the kinds of roles where we don't need to think anymore. We are going to be working in a capacity where it's our 
leadership, where it's our creativity, where it's our critical thinking, that is the important piece. So most of us are going to be working for ourselves in a way that we're going to be moving in and consulting with these firms to take over the role that artificial intelligence can't. So, you know, this is where I believe the school system is really letting kids down because this isn't very far away now. You know, it is already starting to come into uh, into reality already now. So what we're already seeing is this happening where uh, artificial intelligence is taking over these positions. So we will essentially be working for ourselves. Yeah. And I, I, th- I see the future is now, like we're actually here. Do you remember? We're in it. Yeah, do you remember we, we, you know, we heard probably at the end of school, not even at school really, maybe ten years later, people saying there's there's jobs that will be created in the future which we don't even know about today. Yeah, fucking podcast host. Um, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I run a leadership consultancy business. No one was telling me that that would fly. You know, yeah. yeah so yeah. there is. I mean, this is and that's just two examples of many. You know, Instagram influencer. I mean, that's a job for some people. I know they're about to lose that, but (laughs) because of the algorithm, but, um, oh, that's where I was going before. Um, schools are letting us, uh, letting these kids down because they're still teaching in a way where they have to memorize things. Yes. We don't need to memorize things anymore. Seriously. Can you remember at school when teachers used to say, you can't use your calculator. You'll never be able to walk around with a calculator in your pocket. Mr. Uh, Mr. Guess what? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Guess what? I walk around with a calculator in my pocket. <laughs> I mostly, I mostly remember Miss Martin. But anyway, um, <laughs> fourteen-year-old boy. What can I say? Hey, uh, so, uh-huh. so, so, you know, that makes me think about when you talk about schools. So, um, so this is episode eighty something. So there's 80 hours of leadership, human optimization, resilience, podcasting. Each episode probably takes an hour's worth of editing after the fact and maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, two hours preparation in some cases. So we're talking about nearly 300 hours worth of work for this. Mm-hmm. If you translate that, there's, I should be finishing the start of a PhD in leadership. Yeah, so, so, how cool is that? Well, no, think about that. So, so when, when you're talking about the way of the future of learning – People aren't being – you aren't getting degrees from university for stuff that you're doing in your spare time, but it will happen. It is coming because there's mm-hmm. micro courses now. So say you're traveling to Turkey and you want to go learn Turkish or Italy, you want to learn Italian. You know, you can do micro courses at university and those micro courses then count towards something later on, maybe an international relations degree, some such. Mm-hmm. Um, so universities are starting to get on board with changing, but the but the basic entry into university through school is is yet to change. Mm. And but technology, I mean, my kids now have ThinkPads at school, and everything they do goes into Dropbox, and mm. you know, and so it's a. I mean, <laughs> I, I used to carry. I remember you behind oh, carrying goodness. your bag. Your bag was bigger than you were. I know because I was carrying my dance stuff with me every day as well and I had to make sure I took all my school books to dance to do my homework at the back and, yeah, it's crazy and now kids don't have to do no, that, which is awesome. Yeah, but the, but the curriculum hasn't changed. <laughs> no, curriculum is Very- still the same and what the sad part is is that, and I can't speak for all teachers, but there are a lot of teachers that are still thinking the world is the same as it was and it just isn't. No, and business People aren't learning the in school. And this this brings me on to talking about Kidpreneur that, that I know you had something to do with a few years back where 
um, I think eight to 12 year olds and you, you just give them an, a, a sort of a start with this is what entrepreneurial life looks like. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I talk to, I mean, my kids get paid and then I deduct money out of, from them for all the stuff that they, they wreck. So they understand, they understand money. Awesome. That's so good. Yeah, here's $10. Now let me take $2 for the dog poo you didn't pick up. Now there's $2 for the three times that I had to empty the dishwasher. Here's another dollar for the mess in your room. And I'm going to leave you with $4.70 or whatever it ends up being. Yeah, because real life. (laughs) Because life. And and by the way, $4 is your room and board. So here's 76. That's right. So you're out of luck this yeah, week, dude. Yeah, yeah. You guys are well, you guys are well set up for life once you leave. <laughs> so what is what is leadership to you, Sam? I think that leadership has changed in the sense that I, that I think that we understand now more that that leadership is not management. When coming sort of eighties and nineties, people that were in leadership, and I put that in air quotes, were really managers that didn't take into account the people that they were leading, the people that that they were trying to, you know, bring in as part of the team. And I think about the first first business that I had, I was a terrible leader. Mm. Well, because I wasn't a leader, I didn't lead my staff. I used to get frustrated because they didn't get things right without realising that I hadn't actually taken the time to show them properly. Mm. So... Or, you know, I, they, w- they would not come to work and it was because maybe I hadn't really listened to something that was really important to them and they got the, you know, they got the shits and, and maybe mm. didn't come to work. Where now I understand more that everyone needs to be treated as a human being with values, with wants, with needs, mm. and that when we um, really not celebrate but really, you know, appreciate that everyone's like that that we can come together and go to a place together and did you when did you first start to understand that you needed to be able to show people a a vision of where you wanted to take the businesses for them to to get the most out of them um, personally it took me way too long and this was probably the number one piece that if you know I'm not a person that has regrets and goes back and wishes but you know if I did wind up back that would be the piece that I would go back and change is really helping people to understand the vision and moving forward as a team rather than hey guys this is what I need so Mm. it didn't happen till Oh, probably I was in my mid thirties. Wow. I just did not have anyone in my world that was helping me understand that that's the way it was yeah. because all I'd seen, and that's how we learn, right? Or all that I'd seen was, or been in positions where I was told what to do mm. and coming from, you know, I agree McDonald's is fantastic, but it, you know, it's not a, we're coming together and doing this as a team kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and being a dancer as well, we, you know, that's very much, we have, you know, we take a correction 60 times in a class and we have to shut our mouth and just take it. Mm. So I think that I'd kind of come with that mindset. So, yeah, I didn't really understand till, yeah, I would say probably in my mid-30s. So a million-dollar business, imagine what that would have been if you'd, if you'd learnt that, if you knew that lesson, if someone had mentored you early and said, hey, take these people on a vision and, I mean, I can't even imagine well, if I had have known that, the business wouldn't have even looked like that, right? Yeah. Like I can't even imagine where that would have gone if I had have known that because yeah. now what I understand and can get people to, to understand a vision and move super fast, I can get my team to move in, 
you know, in half an hour, an hour and be fired up just by sharing the vision and also by listening to them and what's important to them. Yeah. So you're right. I'd love to go back and see what I could do, yeah, but can't. So, oh, well. Oh, well. What's, um, what's your daily routine look like these days? So I know that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can sort of do whatever we want when we want, but mm. I'm really aware of the way that I f- like my body flows in the sense that I'm an early morning person. So mm. I'm usually up around five. I, if I have a sleep in, I get up at six. I walk every morning. So I just get out of bed. We walk out the door. I would walk for an hour, um, go to the gym three times a week. I dance twice a week. All of that's in the morning because I know that when I do that first thing, then I can get going. You know, just come home, have breakfast, shower, and then really I get into my day. Um, my team comes on board at nine. I've usually probably been working since about 7.30 because I just know that I'd rather start working then. But by one or two, I'll take a few hours off. I don't work in the afternoon. I get all sleepy. Um, and then sometimes later on in the afternoon I'll work. Sometimes I won't. But I know that by one I've pretty much done my day. And is the team mostly remote, are they, Sam? Yeah, they're all remote apart from my husband that works with me, mm. um, which has only been for the last six weeks, which is cool. We managed to get him out of corporate. Mm. And, um, yeah, all the teams overseas. And being a really awesome learning curve, yeah. being able to lead a team overseas yeah. because when they're not standing in front of you, it adds another layer of being able to to lead them. Like um, trust, so a lot of like people huge talk, amount of trust to be able to. Massive, make, yeah. massive, yeah. So that's really where I, I would say my leadership skills took on a whole new level yeah. was to make sure because they could be off doing whatever they wanted, but they're not. You know, and, they and, are there. And even last night we got a message from one of them at about 10 o'clock saying, I just saw that, the, you know, the audio guy has dropped the podcast into Dropbox. I'll just pop it up now. I'm like, dude, don't. He's like, no, no, it's okay. You know, that's what my team's like because mm. they know that I've got their back. They have a, a thousand percent got my back. And so, oh, I've got so many questions around that. What, what <laughs> do, you use, do you use some sort of, like I use, I have a remote team as well for different projects. I, I assemble different teams for different projects. You know, I use Canva to build uh-huh. to yeah to build powerpoint type presentations across the teams because it's because it's an online resource and i use trello as a project management tool well i'm interested yeah. to know what what do you use to keep everyone sort of moving in the same direction yeah we use asana as a project management tool yeah. um we use uh we use the full google suite so everything's in google um drive in different folders all of our um trainings are in there so that when a new team member comes on board they know that they just jump into whichever driver is and they go through all the trainings everything um, is systemized if i if we've got a process that hasn't been done before i don't actually record the process i get my team to record it Mm. hey guys you're the ones that do this can you record this and upload it Mm. um what else do i use we use canva as well however my design team use photoshop because you know, I only do the yeah, your, little bits. Your stuff is cool. Like it is the oh, be- it, is, it is it is the benchmark. Well, mine. I do a lot. I do all my own stuff, and so it's all done on um, uh, Spark, which is a which is a Adobe program yeah, as well. Ad- yeah. yeah, but you know, for 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 young you know young guys and girls who might be in the defence force listening to this that want to do a side hustle or then do another job when they get out. Yes. These are all the sorts of things that you have to get your head around in the modern in the modern world now to be able to 
to be an entrepreneur or to be able to build a business, an online business, you need to understand these these different applications and programs really, don't you? Yeah, totally. And I, I would go further in saying those people that are, are in those positions now, just grab your phone out every, you know, a couple every day or every couple of days. Just video yourself, get it up, start building your brand now because you can't start building your brand too early. And even if you don't know what that's going to turn into, just know that the foundation there, you'll be so thankful that you yeah. did that, you know, in a few years' time instead of coming out and, and you know, having to start from zero because it, it's a hard slog getting started. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's... There's so many, I'd say restrictive, but also protective laws around what people in the Defence Force can take photos and videos and, and, and yeah. even protected identities in some cases. But but I fully get what you're saying because it, it, it's a special skill to s- sit in front of a camera and go, hey, I've got a message for you and I'm talking to a box, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're, we're actually you're connecting with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. If you're, yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of the people I talk to in, in the Defence Force in particular, or they may have left, they have this separation anxiety. They they were institutionalised, as was I. Um, mm-hmm. How do you how do you see from, from the business coaching that you've done over the years, have you got any messages for, for people that might be a little bit like that, like stuck in their ways, they think that they can't do something? You must have seen so many people change their lives for the good. What, thousands yeah so what do you what do you think for those people who might want to reach out and do something else do you know i think the number one biggest thing is to surround yourself with the people that you know you want to be like or surround yourself with people that think differently because you know that we are the product of our environment so the way the people around us think is the way that we start to think the way the people around us act we start to act and that is certainly the biggest, I say I was lucky. I don't know if I kind of knew it in the back of my mind or if I was lucky just to wind up in the right place. But that has certainly been how I've been able to get to where I am in this online space is to be around the people that are doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. So let's go back. Know. Let's even go back to high school. You know, yeah. there was the three of you, um, there was myself and two other guys so there was it was like your little group of boys and our little group of girls yeah so there's a six of us really (laughs) Mm -hmm. but all all in the same year nearly all in the same group nearly every year and and as you said competitive and at that Mm. age you don't make really strong bonded connections i guess but you're still around those people and and your net your network becomes your net worth so if we think even back to those school days that little network that we both had, that that they're there to help you, you know, and then yeah, and then you take that, and then you go and you go and work at McDonald's. You've got your dance friends, then you've got your new husband, and then the business, and then the then then the new retail business, you know, and so your network is still is increasing, and your net worth is increasing because of that. Yeah. And I see that, I see that as well, you know, if you. I say this thing on uh, – I've put this thing out before on social media. It's, um, you know, hijack your mentors. So mm-hmm. so go and pick five people on social, you know, and maybe one of them is Richard Branson. I don't care. Maybe them Sam Riley. Maybe it's Sam Riley, you know. Go and, <laughs> go, and, go and look at what they do, the habits they have, the things they say, the things that they do. Their website, just hijack the whole lot of it and, and, and copy stuff and, and keep on trying to be like them. Can I just 
just one little tweak there. I think it's really important to understand that we're modeling those people, not copying them, because that's where I see a lot of people falling down and Mm. actually really taking a lot of years to get their business going because they have straight out copied and we are all unique. So model what what your mentors are doing, but don't copy them because you could end up going down a path that just feels really like yuck. Yeah, what's the um, thing you say find your find your diamond oh, what is it? Find your diamond factor. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all sparkle differently. Oh, we all God. shine differently. That's so That's so Sam, isn't it? So Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um but 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 it does make sense. Yeah. 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 Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And and I guess the other tip there is that when you find those people don't, don't just kind of go out and model them, but this is something that I, again, also learned and I learned it in the most bizarre way. My kids went to really good private schools and from hanging out with the parents that were like in the multi-millions and sitting at tables at dinner and listening to the conversations, I started to learn a lot. So, and what I learned from those, those situations was how can I help those people? So I always came from a place of service from, from everyone in my world. How can I help you? Who can I connect you with? You know, who, you know, how can I help in any other way? And in that way, you're able to get into the world without being someone that goes, can I pick your brain? Like yeah. that's just, it's, you, you, you're not the first entrepreneur I've heard say that like Phil Hayes, St. Clair's the other guy who, who will just reach out and go, Hey, what can I do for you? Yeah. And, yeah. and it catches you off guard sometimes. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's not that at all, is it? It's like, hey, what can I do for you? And guess what? Yeah. Now here I am talking to Sam Riley about an entrepreneur who, who you'll now go and look up. You know what I mean? Like, so the, the, there's, there's a certain degree of it's traction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's next for Sam? Oh, what's next? Well, short term, we've got some really cool projects that we're launching this year. We've got some... Um, invite only um, masterminds that are about to be launched, really uh, adventure based and contribution based. So super, super excited about that. But moving forward, next five years is just doing what we're doing bigger and better, helping as many people as we can Mm. to create this business that helps them to live a life that they want, which is, you know, the most important part about what I do. It gives people the chance to to live however they want to live, live wherever they want to live, travel mm. the world, doesn't matter. And you've you've done like 140-odd podcasts plus. Of this show, 100 of the one before, and last year I did over 100 interviews. So, yeah, big oh. podcaster. And so what have you, you learned through that? <sighs> Do you know, the biggest thing I've learned is exactly what I just said, the people you meet. Yeah. Every time I'm on a podcast, it opens up a door with someone else or I might introduce mm. someone to someone else. You know, you're always in new networks. The first event that I ran in the States was purely of people that I had met through doing my first podcast. And I had a room of 80 people show up yeah. and I'd never met one of them. And it was right. all just through the podcast and being introduced to other people. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, so of the 80 podcasts that I've done, I've, I've worked out that there is a secret that high performers all have. And I don't think this will surprise you in any way at all. Um, it's it's the fact that they are intentional. Oh, it doesn't surprise me one little bit. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a word, you know. It's it's the word. They do things yeah. with intent. People yes. people who think that the universe is going to provide them with something that they're off with the fairies. 
Um, and it, and people, the other thing too that I know, the biggest thing I've noticed that holds people back is seeking permission mm-hmm. from from faceless yeah. bosses. Who, who is that person anyway? Yeah, and if you're an yeah. entrepreneur, guess who's giving you permission? Got to give it to yourself. Yeah, and that, that's the yeah. thing that I've learned the most. But I can talk to you all about that when I come on your podcast, Sam. Absolutely. Yeah. You know that you will. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey. That intention though, yeah. that intention, I just want to quickly say that intention is not about the intention of you getting something. You've probably noticed this too. Those people that do everything with intent, the intention is pure. The intention is they know where they want to get to, but they won't just, you know, mow everyone down to get there. Their mm. intention is to help other people and they know that they'll get there. Yeah, I guess it's an interesting word because it definitely describes what's going on, although it's too reductionist in its theory. But mm-hmm. for me, it means it's like this um, 10 kilometres a day for 10 days. Like I am driven by that to finish it. Yeah. That is my intent. And so that then forms this schedule. I now have a schedule around it. I now have rituals around it. And now the things that I do during the day – support that run tomorrow if i don't drink the right fluids if i don't eat the right carbs today i'm not going to be able to finish it i'm going to get injured yeah Yeah, and so the intent is to finish it but but that intentionality if that's even a word that being intentional about it means that everything else suddenly starts to support that line of operation for use of a military term Mm. and for me it's like when i look at what you've done it's like right i am going to open dance studio right? There's the intent and you do it. And it's then like, okay, there's a need here. I'm going to fill that need. And then you've got this intent to fill that need. The, the fact that you didn't do it online because it didn't exist. If it, if it existed online, mm-hmm. you'd probably be the next Amazon. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're a bit short to be an Amazonian. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so oh. it's definitely, there's definitely something in that, in that yeah. whole intentional piece. And, it, and all high performers seem to have that intent. And it's, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I've met plenty of sports stars who are brilliant, but they don't have much intent. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of their careers, you know, they just sort of, their, 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 diamond, they their diamond sparkles out. Yeah, you know? That's exactly right. They do, they get lost, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that what you're doing is so important because you're able to help people clarify what their, in, their intent is. Mm. Mm. Sam Riley, you got any words of wisdom to leave us with before we wrap up the Warrior You podcast for this week? Do I need to think of something really smart here? <laughs> no, look, all I, what my biggest passion is helping people to understand that you don't want to get to the end of your life and have regrets. I know I did mention that before, but mm. we do have the opportunity to choose whatever we want. We get to choose how we live, who we're surrounded by, the experiences that we have, the adventures we have. All of these things, nothing holds us back anymore. We don't, we're in this online world. We've got an abundance of money out there. Um, You know, we've got this abundance of experiences. We can make a global impact. So get out there and do it. Don't, don't think that, you know, you're, you can only play at this small level because you're not Richard Branson or you're not, you know, Tony Robbins. Like we've all got the opportunity to, you know, to continue to get to that level. Mm. So yeah, just get out there and do it. And if you're challenged by that, by your mindset, by other things, you know, challenged by not having enough money, get out there and find the people that can help you to overcome those challenges so that you can get out there and live the life that you want to live. 
And so where can people um, reach out to you for the mentoring, for business coaching, or to get in on the mastermind or, or those sort of resources? Yeah, you can find me at samanthariley.global and you'll find all sorts of resources on the website, links to my social and uh, a link to my podcast, Thought Leaders. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.